0: Welcome to the GMS podcast brought to you by GMS distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared steer. And today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. We are recording today on the podcast very excited to have this guy on uh, i've been following him for a while he has a great instagram page and we're going to talk all about it but elon Pasmanic is here how are you doing elon good jared how are you doing i'm doing really good man it's been uh i've been following you for a while and i know we've talked back and forth uh well i mean a couple of years ago uh regarding some of my equipment and uh and you fixing it but I'll let you kind of uh, kind of introduce yourself. Give a little background to anybody who doesn't know who you are, what you do, and how you're involved in the industry.
1: So, my name is Elon, and I, I work uh, under the business name Bone to Repair," same as my Instagram account. And I repair uh, restoration equipment. I go to people's warehouses and repair their equipment in warehouse.
0: Like that's where I think it's really cool, like your business model, and and that's why I, I – I, as soon as I started following you and, and really seeing what you were doing, I was like, oh, this guy, this is awesome. I love this. So you're – you just ended up figuring out how to – I mean, you know how to how, – how, how do you know – now I'm, I'm just talking all kinds of stuff. Okay, I'm going to slow down. First, I love the model because you drive to the business – you go into the warehouse, you find what equipment is damaged, and you're able to repair it on-site, if it's repairable, but you repair it on-site and save the customer a lot of money in, in repairs and new equipment replacement. That's the idea, yes. So how did you get started? How do you? Where did you learn to repair restoration equipment?
1: So I had a background with electricity and appliances. I was an electrician's assistant. Okay. From uh, the age of 12 to 19. Okay. And that's where I basically learned um, uh, how to repair electric stuff, to read the diagrams. Then, um, uh, me and my wife, we had um, a retail business for 14 years. Okay. That uh, business died uh, like three years ago, even before COVID happened. Okay. And, and, um, I had to to find something new to do. You know, and my wife was uh, pissed off that I'm at home all the time. She just wanted me out of the house. <laughs> so, um, I had a friend that uh, went into appliances. Okay. Uh, he also had uh, a retail business that uh, that also died. And okay. you know, Amazon just uh, killed us all.
0: That, that's and, what that's what it was. So you're talking before the pandemic, it wasn't that, but Amazon is what the growing of Amazon hurt your business.
1: Um it, it was a fight that uh, we just gave up on. Mm-hmm. We couldn't we couldn't keep fighting all the time. Okay. It it was getting worse and worse, and it was time to to quit. So we just quit. And um, anyway, my friend, uh, my friend offered me to to come with him, and to work with him a little. Okay. And he, he took me to houses. We repaired appliances together. And I was actually trying to, to open a, an appliance business. Okay. But I found myself uh, working in a surf pro, surf pro of Sorrento Valley, actually. Yep. And um, they had a lot of uh, restoration equipment that was uh, broken in a big pile. So the owner of the, of the branch asked me if, uh, if I can fix it for him. And basically, I, I taught myself how to repair that. But, of course, I had the, the experience and knowledge that sure. uh, helped me. So so I taught myself how to repair a restoration equipment. I saw the, the value in, in repairing that equipment. And I saw that uh, the, the repair shops are just uh, overcharging and basically doing a, a horrible job at, at even basic stuff of of repairs okay so i decided to to start my own uh uh, repair business
0: but you could see the value that you brought to the restoration contractor and and just with the knowledge and skills that you had i mean there was a a big need for it
1: and i save people a lot of money yeah and and that's where the value to me is so instead of sending the stuff to the repair shop waiting two months to, to get an estimate, and then another three months to get the stuff repaired. And then when they do repair, they 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 change too many things and charge too much money. Okay. The the service that they provide is a top-notch. It's the best service that you'll get. But not, it's not like everybody, that's what they want. Most people don't want a brand-new power code when they send a DU in. They, they are happy with the power code that they have already. Sure. So, I decided to, um, you know, to talk to the owner of the restoration equipment to see what they actually want from my service. And to each person, I give them what they want. Some people are, are very by the book; they want everything proper by the book. Okay. Some people they like to cut uh, some corners, and I don't have uh, any problems with cutting corners for them.
0: Sure, if that's yeah, if that's what the customer wants and that's what they're asking for, you can provide that too.
1: Yes, and and that way each each customer will spend exactly what uh, uh, they want and not more. Some people can give me a limit, okay, do repairs, but only spend this amount of money. Okay. Okay, we'll do that.
0: Yeah, I love that you, I mean, one, I, I love that you're fixing the equipment. I love that you're showing up. On site to do it. I love that you custom, you can customize your, I get your repair program to fit the each individual customer's needs to what what they actually want. You're saving the customers time. You're saving the customers money. No one, you know, no one's having to drive to the repair shop, drop equipment off, follow up on it. I mean, you just you show up and whatever's broken, you fix it. Hand them a bill when you're done.
1: Yes, I I drive with my Prius, and I don't have a warehouse. And I don't have an office. My Prius is is everything I have. All of my tools are the ones that fit in my Prius. Yeah. And um, and that way I save for myself a lot of money, and, and also uh, save my customers a lot of money by not having to to charge so much. By uh, if if I get a lot of bells of whistles, a lot of bells and whistles, then uh, eventually my clients will have to pay for it.
0: Right. Right. And
1: even my, my receipt, when I'm done with a job, I write an invoice. I, I do it by hand. Okay. I, I don't print it out or anything like that because, you know, it uh, saves money, saves time.
0: And, where, and Elon, where are you located? I mean, I know where you're located, but for everybody else, uh, where where is, where is your business
1: at? I uh, work in the San Diego area in South Los Angeles.
0: Okay, what's the I I guess how many customers do you have down there that you that you call on? uh, I guess I want to say like a like a repeat customer, a regular, a regular customer that that you have a relationship with. Uh,
1: I have about um, I think almost twenty regulars. Twenty regular contractors. Yes, and altogether I serviced about thirty.
0: Okay. How have you seen because you, you just started this a year and a half ago?
1: Yeah.
0: How have you seen your business grow or what have you what have you done to market yourself? How did How did you get started? you come from you come from retail, then into or back to uh, appliance repairs and then you see the restoration industry and the restoration contractors have equipment that needs repaired a year and a half ago you decided to start doing that how do you grow the business from there where take us from a year and a half ago to today what what have you been doing to grow and uh, market yourself
1: so i gave my my notice my quitting notice to to serve from. okay and and i just had this idea that if i uh, offer my services uh, i can save a lot of money uh, for for the the equipment owners mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, and after uh, after um, it was my last day i i googled restoration companies near me okay and i i saw the map i went uh, to the closest location to to my house i knocked on the door and i say hey i i repair equipment and and then i just uh, did that again and again and again until uh, somebody actually called me took a while but, you're but just, this, you started door to door. Yes. And. You'll be surprised at how many companies are not located at the advertising uh, location.
0: <laughs> well, actually, so I, w- I would not be surprised because that's how I started my business, going door to door. So I know exactly what you're talking about. There is there is a bunch, and I would do the same thing. I would say restoration contractors, uh, you know, in in Cincinnati, and then I would draw it out on the map. And then, but before, so the first time I did it, I went to every location. And you're right, so many of them don't exist or they're not there or it's a UPS post office box or something like that where I then started to use or a coffee shop. I then started to use, uh, the Google, like Google view, Google earth, And look, I would look at the building at the address before I would drive there. And that was, I was able to eliminate a lot of them out of my route just by, by doing that. But no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's probably, if I remember right, it was about half, half of the addresses that I got were actually legitimate. And the other half were, yeah, a coffee shop, a a UPS store, something that doesn't even exist
1: or someone's house. Yes, um, that was a big problem. But, um, you know, some people gave me a chance, and, and then they started telling their friends. Okay. But uh, still, I wasn't uh, making enough income to, to support my family. So then I decided to use my, my uh, social media to uh, to, uh, to grow. I started uh, DMing him. DMing um, um, restoration companies in the area. So, if if I uh, went to a restoration company and there was nobody there, or the location doesn't really exist, Uh or maybe I was there, gave them my business card, but then they never called back, I would uh, DM the company uh, from Instagram saying, hey, I repair restoration equipment, I'll save you a lot of money. Yeah. And um, my business started growing even more that way, so that's how basically my my social media started.
0: So first you start. I love this because like you're like you just go out and just get it done. You're just working hard. Uh, go up to a building, just go cold, cold call, walk in, introduce yourself. You pick up some customers there. Then word of mouth, you get some referrals. You pick up some more customers. And now you're and now you're on social media. You're using social media to as another way to contact and reach out. Um, Yeah, man, it's 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 awesome. It's been fun to follow you and uh, and watch you, you know, watch you grow and and watch all of your your posts, too. So uh, now on social media, I follow you on Instagram. Are you are you doing anything else other places or is Instagram your main your main outlet
1: for content? I have a linked uh, Facebook account. That everything that I post on Instagram also posts automatically on uh, on Facebook.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So you've got gotcha. you've got both of them coming up.
1: But I'm not really so active on uh, Facebook. I'm not uh, actively looking to to follow customer uh, uh, companies and and I I, I I try less to do it on Facebook. Facebook is really distracting and yeah. less uh, less productive to me.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. I know I've tried to I've tried to do kind of all well all. I've done a lot on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram and then doing stuff with the with my website and it does it gets I mean there's a point where yeah it's it is distracting. I would agree that Instagram is, is the easiest way to get content out and is the least distracting of, of all the social medias that I'm working on also.
1: But you know, for you and me, uh, our clients are restoration companies. Yes, so that that will apply for us. But if your client was the general public, uh, I think maybe Facebook would be the right place for you to be. I don't know because my my clients are not the general public.
0: yeah, yeah I um, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, depending on what your business is and who your market is, who your customers are, because that's where you, you have to go where the where the customers are.
1: Right and uh, on like if you want to put a post on on Facebook, that will appeal to the general public. So if I if I was the owner of a restoration company, for example, maybe a, a posting on Facebook will be uh, better because that would reach uh, a lot of people, and also uh, a a little older demographic, maybe homeowners. But uh, on on Instagram, I can target uh, directly the companies that I want. Yeah. And and uh, that, that's why I personally like for me Instagram because I can uh, I can start following you, then I can like your posts and I can DM you. Yep. And and it's, it's very specific to you. So I want uh, uh, So now, now if, for example, I have a, a large following of uh, restoration companies, uh, if if I come out with a, with a product that will interest everybody. I can just DM everybody on my list. Yes, and I I, I don't know if I would be, be able to do that on Facebook, because Facebook mixes up your your personal account with your business account into just one feed, and and, and that's you know for my business especially maybe uh, for others too. I think for probably for you too. Um, it's it's much easier to just do it on an on instagram because then your business feed is is completely separate from the other feeds that you you have right
0: yeah no i i agree i agree i like it um now i do notice and one of the and one of the things i didn't even which i didn't even know this i i guess i don't read <laughs> i don't read a lot of the instagram posts but i i'd come through i'd see your pictures i'd like them and then it was probably it was probably like after six months of following them like Oh, Elon! Elon's making poems. He's making he's making work poems. (laughs) Right. How did you? So I I guess for anybody like just talking about that. So you you come up uh, with these with these poems. They're funny. I I like. I mean, they're entertaining. What made you think of
1: putting the poems out there? One day I was um, I was working under a dry is. And the dryers they have uh, screws on the bottom that you have to uh, take out if you want to open them up. Okay. And and uh, that's that's really annoying because if you if you lay the the DQ down, it will of course uh, start leaking. So I, I would always uh, try to avoid that. And so I would lean the dryers, lie down on the floor. And unscrew the the bottom of the drive. and One time, as I was doing that, I thought it was hilarious that that I'm that it's very difficult to screw the bottom of the dryer. And I thought, oh, I should make a post about that. But people will think that I'm a creep because that's like <laughs> creepy. If I do that, yeah. So, but but in my mind, you know, it was like uh, it was like a a moment that I won't forget because it was so funny. I thought if um, if uh, I'll make it to rhyme, maybe it will be less creepy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe people will understand that I'm being sarcastic and, and it's supposed to be funny. So I made a poem about, about that. And, and la- later I made a poem uh, about uh, something else that was probably creepy. And... <laughs> then i went back to my regular it wasn't a business plan to to make poems you know it wasn't a part of my plan okay so i, I continued with the regular boring post and i met one of my friends that they worked with me in in uh, still does in in sorrento valley and he told me that he really liked my my poems he prefers it over the, the other posts that were uh, you know generic and and boring so so then I decided to, to continue with my poems because probably people like it. And most of them are uh, a little uh, creepy, but <laughs> basically, yeah, basically, you know, most of them are really about uh, relationships and and uh, love and sex, but, you know, <laughs> with the youth. <laughs> now, do you, is there
0: is there a poem that stands out as your favorite poem? No, uh, sorry, Jared. It's about
1: I'm too embarrassed.
0: <laughs> well, okay. i i have your I have your Instagram uh, account pulled up right here on my computer. Do you mind if I read one of your poems? No, I don't. All right. So, for anyone listening, you have to follow Elon. His his Instagram handle is Born To Repair. And and I guess like with the poems, is this is this now something? Like is this regular for you? You're doing like you're, like you'll do a poem next week, or are you? You're planning on? It's part of your marketing, right? The poems.
1: Right, but you know, being autistic, uh, it's very difficult to force. So when something comes to me, I do it. I don't. Okay. I, I try doing it on a regular basis, but it stretches me out. Yeah. And 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 it also makes the quality of the poem. Uh, um, really bad if if I just uh, try to to push it out on a schedule. Sure. So I decided just to go by like uh, intuition. If if uh, you know I feel like if something is is uh, poem worthy, then I will just uh, do it.
0: <laughs> it's gotta be poem worthy. All right. Well, here here is one right here. Dear extractor, usually you're a huge impactor, and I can tell that today you're not well. You lost your suction. That's a sad malfunction. I'm not kidding. Your filtering's cleaning. Oh, it's smelly. Reminds me of New Delhi. Soon you'll be strong as a bear. Yours truly, born to repair. Dude, I love. That's, I love them. They're 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 so much fun. That is one of my earlier ones. How how many poems do you have out there?
1: They're actually numbered. So number thirty-eight is the last one. Thirty-eight.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, I do. I mean, when one when, of your posts comes up mean, I always like the pictures that you put out, uh, you know, and I, and it's always, you're always, you're always got tools in your hand or equipment torn apart or, or something. The pictures are, the pictures are cool, but you're, you also don't take yourself too seriously. And I, I like that too. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like that. Um, I don't know. Did you see the, uh, the Christmas video that I made? No. Have you seen that? Yeah, we made a we made a, a little Christmas commercial type thing for our, for the GMS Power Box, and it was it was kind of funny. It was uh, it was fun to do it, and it was supposed to be silly, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, kind of enjoyed it. So yeah, we're. But I feel like you're kind of doing that same thing with a lot of your your posts and pictures. I mean, it's obvious that you're a serious guy, and you're and you're doing a great job and and repairing the equipment, but then also. You know, you're having some fun with the pictures you're taking. I mean, I seen one where you're hanging off the side of a you, you climbed a stackable washer and dryer I and I mean, yeah, they're just fun, man. You can tell that you're having fun while you're doing the work, too.
1: I wanted the I wanted my my uh posts to to be a little different because I found that in the restoration industry, most of the most of the posts are, are very boring. Uh, maybe it's only me. <laughs> but uh, but they they're all the same. You you see two, and you already don't need to see anymore. You know what I mean?
0: They're they're like very I don't know, like salesy or like flyery yeah. looking. I mean, it's very yeah, it's very constructed. Um, yeah, no, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't uh, seem authentic.
1: And my posts are not for the general public. I mean, if you are from the general public, maybe you'll find interest in it. I don't think so, though. But but because uh, m- my audience is very specific, I thought maybe I can just have a little fun with it, be a little less uh, on the professional side, yeah, even uh, less on the salesy side, yeah. Just uh, right, just just show how fun my work is, and and I thought that would attract more interest than uh, here here's a DQ. Uh, it's in a house, uh, and the house is wet. So yeah. call me, you know.
0: Yeah. No, you're definitely you're definitely standing out. You're finding a way to, uh, yeah, set yourself apart from the crowd and get noticed for sure. Now, what do you kind of see? What's uh? Well, yes. To the first question I have: Are you using any of the like location, um? Kind of tools that inside of Instagram where you can search out a zip code and and find people that way, or how how are you how are you connecting with uh, with your market?
1: I follow hashtags that uh, that uh, most restoration companies use. Okay, like for example, water damage or restoration, fire damage, and they come up on my feed. So then I just uh, follow the people who use those uh, hashtags. Of okay. course, I I you know. Many random people also use those hashtags, so you, I, I check which uh, account is using them. Yeah, and if the account is a restoration company, I start following them.
0: Now that's and that's pretty. I mean, we're pretty much doing the same thing. When I mean, if I'm trying to grow my Instagram account, um, yeah, following some hashtags, I'm commenting, liking. But for me, I mean, my product can ship across the country; it can ship everywhere. So, but with you, with you showing up, I mean, you're. Your restoration base is pretty small geographically to the San Diego and Los Angeles market. How are you targeting those specific people, or are you just trying to connect with every restoration contractor?
1: Um, so when when if you use the hashtag uh, fire damage, yeah. I go into your account when, when your post is on my feed. I go into your account. I check your location. If you're in the U.S., I'll follow you. Okay, so you're just you're connecting with everyone, and uh, as long as it's a restoration company, yeah. So right now I follow, uh, 1970 uh, restoration companies. Okay, and um, I checked uh, each one of them. Okay, so before you're... before following them, and all of them are in the United States. I have maybe maybe here and there. If I had uh, interaction with uh, somebody from Vancouver, and I like them, and uh, so I'll I'll keep following them. But uh, the large majority are, are companies uh, within the U.S.
0: Okay. Okay. Very cool. Now, how how do you see your company in the future? Like, what's uh, what does this next year have planned for you, or what do you have planned for this next year, and then maybe like a, a five year? But I see, I see maybe an opportunity where, as you're growing your Instagram followers, and you have, I mean, you have 1,600 people following you. Um, you know, is there is there a way to do some some education online and try to capitalize on those followers? So I'm
1: actually starting a, uh, a repair seminar for restoration equipment, and okay. I, I already posted it on my social media too and it's going to uh, target restoration companies yeah. and the goal is to teach restoration companies how to repair their own equipment okay so so then they won't have to to use the the repair shops anymore
0: so some of like uh, some of the more i
1: guess the easy repairs are the the repairs that are more common most repairs are, are easy and most people can do it with uh, the right uh, uh, knowledge and guiding okay and most of the repairs that I do uh, almost anybody can do most repairs are repetitive too okay so if you have a phoenix you usually have a pumping issue see what I mean okay. if you uh, if you have a dry dry is that leaks Usually you have a clog in a in in a hose, okay, and and that's it. So, um, you know, in my seminar I'm going to show how a you works and what parts uh, break down usually, and how to find the the cause of a problem, how to isolate the the problem, and then how to replace that part. It's a um, Maybe because it's easy to me, I think it's easy. I don't know, yeah. but I think that uh, almost anybody can do it uh, if they are not afraid and if uh, if they just try.
0: Yeah. No, I think so. I think a, a lot of the shops that I've seen, there's usually somebody there that's, yeah. I mean, usually there's there's people on staff that are handy with a screwdriver and can, I would think, could do. Could, you know, if it was just something easy, simple fix that they could do it.
1: And some some people don't really know how electricity works and and how to use a multimeter to um, um, to to check uh, you know components. Right. S- some people are afraid of electronics, so they won't touch the control board. But um, all you need to do is to replace it if there's a problem. Just replacing the control board in your warehouse will save you so much money as opposed to uh, to sending it to the repair shop. They will not only charge you for the part, they will charge you labor for like two hours when it's a 15-hour job, a 15-minute job. Okay. And, and they, they'll also replace your power cord. They'll give you a, a deep clean with chemicals. And of course, you have to pay for everything. Will cost you five hundred dollars to to repair a hundred uh, and fifty dollar component that is broken.
0: Gotcha. So there's yeah, there's a lot of money that can be saved if you have somebody on staff that can that can do some of these repairs.
1: And some companies are small businesses and are run by the owners of the, the business. Some owners can do it themselves. Sure. Some people they don't have a, a general manager or a warehouse manager. In that case, I can teach them how to do it. They can repair their own equipment. Or I can teach the warehouse manager or the general manager or whoever in the company um, um, that thinks that they can do that. But now if you're teaching people how to do their own
0: repairs, especially so I could – so kind of two things. Like one – if you, if you had, there you know, the seminar that's going online, which I have some more questions about that and to see where that goes, but I could almost see, you know, in the future, a a born to repair academy where you could, you know, you have a, a yearly subscription and inside there is how, like a video on how to fix anything. Um and, you know, maybe, and people, you know, then across the country would just, if they had something that was broken, like like you said, like I have a Dry-Ease DHU that's leaking. You know, they could go to the Born to Repair Academy and there's a video that says if your DHU is leaking and they watch it and they can, and they can fix it themselves. Um, I, I see that could be really cool, but if you're teaching people in, now, now going back to San Diego and, and Los Angeles, if you're teaching people there how to do their own repairs, then aren't you putting yourself out of work?
1: My wife said exactly the same thing. <laughs> and my my grandmother too.
0: Well so what do, so what do you think?
1: So that won't that won't stop me. I'm still going to do it. I think it's a, it's a good thing for the industry. I, I hope that it will become a standard uh, in the industry that uh, people will learn how to repair their own equipment. And I might uh, have to let go a few of my clients here in my area, but I'll gain so many from, from all over the U.S. and maybe even outside of the U.S. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, in, in Canada, in England, in, um, you know, Australia, people speak English and I can teach them too. Yeah. Um, I can teach in Hebrew too. I don't really know other languages, but in Israel, they don't really use restoration companies. And uh, so they don't really need my teachings over there. Okay. So I'm pretty much limited to areas where people speak English. And uh, I'll, I'll gain, I think, uh, so many clients. Also, the seminar will uh, will be, uh, you know, pricey. It's it's not going to be cheap, but right. on the long term, it's it's going to be worth it.
0: Right, it's an investment.
1: So you um, yeah. I
0: see. So you're looking more at the big picture. You're not, you're not so worried about the customer next door. You're going, I need to take care of him the best way I can, which in this case, if it's teaching him how to do it himself, that's how I can provide the most value to this customer. But then also, you're going to broaden your, your customer base to the U.S., Canada, Australia. You're looking at a, at a much bigger picture. And so for you, I think I, think I get it where – if you can just provide the most value you can then you're going to build those relationships build that trust and that's going to take you farther than than being so narrow-minded and focused on how how can i make money on this
1: customer and to be honest i won't have time to take care of all of my clients here in san diego if i'm uh, opening this uh, seminar sure so yeah and um, so it's it's uh, maybe a little even necessary to lose a few of them I spoke to some of them about it, and some are not, some are interested, which is a shame because then I won't I won't see them anymore. But <laughs> some are just not interested because they they prefer to to pay somebody that is external from the company to, sure. to deal with say, all of the ordering of the parts and all of the headache that uh, that comes with that.
0: Sure. No, and I can I can get that, too. I mean, instead of now following up with a project manager, hey, is this done? Did this get done? Why is that still sitting there when they can just you show up and they write a check and it's done? Yeah, that's that's still yeah, that's still I would I I can see where yeah customers would still want to do that instead of doing it themselves. Even if they could do it themselves, um, maybe they just don't have the capacity for it
1: or some make so much money that they don't mind spending the money on repairs.
0: Yeah,
1: and and some are just over their head and they don't have time for anything, and they just don't want to to have the extra headache.
0: So we're so the seminar. Have you done it yet, or is
1: it is it, it's coming? What's going on with the seminar? So it's coming soon. Okay, and um, I. Um, uh, sent uh, messages to manufacturers of uh, restoration equipment okay. to ship me some uh, um, equipment so I can demonstrate on. Uh, X-Power oh. has, uh, has agreed to to send me ex- um, equipment. Okay. Um, I'm waiting for the delivery. Okay. And um, it's going to be like a Zoom seminar. It's not going to be recordings. So they will be yes okay and it, it will also be a personal so it won't be like 70 people per seminar it's going to be like three to five people okay so then each person if they have a question it will be easier from for for everybody to to finish the seminar and, and feel uh, uh, complete and that they they got their moneys worth yes. And we're going to have after the after the the uh, Zoom call that we're going to have, I'm going to have the personal calls with each uh, in every uh, person in the seminar privately. So then we can, if if they uh, you know try the repair and they weren't successful, I can guide them uh, privately on on how to do that. So it's going to be a very personal experience. I hope. Yeah that uh, uh, will target specifically the equipment that, e- that each person wants to to repair. And it will help them with the equipment that they are dealing with.
0: So you could, almost, I mean, you can basically put out, like, we're going to have a Phoenix seminar, we're going to have an X-Power seminar, B-Air seminar, DryE seminar. So then you can do, yeah, so basically whatever equipment you're using in your company... You attend the the correct seminar for that equipment and get the
1: exact knowledge that you need. So you know all these issues are basically they have the same components. Okay. And there are uh, some some uh, manufacturers will just arrange the components uh, differently, or when they build the frame, they'll put the screws that uh, holds the the frame together in other places. But if you if you learn how to repair one dhu there's no reason why you can't repair the other one too okay when you understand the the components and how they relate to each other and how they work together then you'll uh, you'll find it easy to, to repair other uh, dhs too it might take you more time you know to find the, the screw oh where is the screw why can't i release it okay but um, but uh, that, that should not be a problem on the long run it's more so, of a
0: concept. Once you once you understand how the DU functions and works in the components, now every all DHUs are, are functioning that same way.
1: Right. And as an electrician you can probably relate to that because there's so many um fuse boxes. I mean you, you don't sure. have to learn how each and every one works, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah.
0: No, I no, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of similarities a lot of things that repeat and, and again it's more it's more of a concept and an understanding of the of the whole uh, and, and then you can yeah then you can dive in and figure it out
1: and I'm not uh, teaching ageva uh, I mean I'll teach the basis of the ageva but I'm not expecting anybody to to put in gas uh, re- to, to replace refrigerant or to to repair compressors because okay. uh, honestly on on the it's just not worth it. You can buy um, a used for four hundred dollars uh, that is in a good condition, and and a repair to to repair a compressor will cost more than that. So there's really no reason, okay, why why to do that. But to to replace a pump or uh, to, to fix a pump, you know, many times I go to to clients and I fix their pumps. I I don't replace most of the pumps that I that I repair. Some pumps just need a cleaning, or some just need to, to replace the impeller. And I'm going to teach all of that.
0: That's awesome, man. So that's kind of where that's where you're going then from here, is you're, you're trying to put more of an online base and, and getting basically a course or a, a, a seminar, live seminar to customers so that they can repair their equipment.
1: Yes, I, I would really love to see how it becomes an industry standout. Yeah. that uh, people can uh, will be able to repair their own equipment they already are, they are already technical people they they, yeah. they know how to break down a house and, and build it up again i don't know how to do that and to be honest i'm not interested in doing that but they they have technical abilities they know how to use uh, tools yes. and when they hold a screwdriver they know which which direction to turn the screwdriver you <laughs> know what i mean yeah
0: yeah, they're already mechanically inclined.
1: So there, there's no reason why they want to repair their own equipment too.
0: It's just an added skill,
1: right? And uh, and it will save them so much money by doing that.
0: Dude, it's cool. I love I love that you kind of found this little niche and that you're really. I mean, you're you're really working hard to to bring the value to everybody and uh, and letting them know. You know, it's kind of these kind of these simple fixes on their on their equipment or what they can do to to save the money on repairs and time. I mean, time is money. So uh, yeah, man, I, re- I like it. I like it. And usually too, I think, uh, you know, restoration, you know, when I talk to people, it's like, you they're really busy, or then sometimes there's days where you're trying to find stuff for guys to do or to keep guys busy. Uh, you know, and that pile of equipment might be one of those might be one of those things that yeah, when we when we get a little slow, hey, let's let's jump back here and start start fixing some of this stuff.
1: Uh, yes, right.
0: Keep guys. I've busy. seen
1: many times I go to to a company and there's a guy blowing out fans. Yeah, and I mean, if you're already blowing out fans, why don't you replace a pump?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, and I've seen a lot of people uh, when they clean equipment, they're already taking some, some pieces apart to clean them and putting them back together. So yeah, they already have the, they, they have the skill. You're just now going to provide them the knowledge to, to do
1: it. Right. And usually they also do it wrong. So they'll take a <laughs> air compressor, they'll take a yeah. air compressor and, and blow it on the, on the, um, uh, the dehuser intake. And that will just uh, ruin the pump eventually.
0: Okay. So the, uh, So you, you could you even you could even have a cleaning seminar to properly show how to clean equipment. It sounds like, if it sounds you take like my seminar like, you
1: it, right? if you take my seminar you won't need a cleaning seminar because it will be so obvious.
0: Okay. So how do people sign up for the seminar?
1: Um so I opened um, Instagram page. Okay. The Bone to Repair Seminar and right now the best thing to do is just to follow that page and when the when i get the equipment ready and everything ready yeah then i'll just um, uh, post it on that page okay and of course i'm going to dm also everybody on my list but uh, but uh, to show support and interest the best thing to do right now is to just uh, follow that page and and to wait for uh, more information
0: well, I'm gonna follow it right now because I do wanna I do wanna know when this happens and uh and I'll be happy to share it too on my on my feeds when a, when you get it out there.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it. Are oh, you yeah. going to take the seminar? Uh do you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm I don't just, know how much I'm just I, kidding with I, you. I don't know how much equipment I'm, just, I'm gonna repair, but I'll take I'm it if you want. Me. You. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you.
0: Well, Elon, I wanted to get to also, uh, and we probably should have done this. Now we're at the end of the podcast, but we probably should have done this before. But you, I mean, with your accent, it's obvious you're not from the U.S. Right? Where were? Where were? I mean, yeah, go ahead. I
1: mean, I I was born in Atlanta,
0: Georgia. Oh, you? Okay, well then I was completely
1: <laughs> wrong. <laughs> okay. Well now but, I have uh, now I have
0: more questions. You're born in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, how okay? T- help me out. Help me figure that out.
1: So when I was one year old, my parents moved to Israel. Okay. And that's where I grew up, and that's where I
0: uh, got my accent. Now, are your parents from Israel, or are they from the U.S.? Or where are they my from? My
1: parents were uh, were born in the states, and and um, now they live in Israel, but I live over here, so they have an American accent over there. They and have i a, have the Israel. and you have the israel accent yes.
0: okay. okay 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 so your your one American family moves to Israel you're one do you so what what language did you guys speak in the house
1: they spoke to me english but i always replied in Hebrew okay and they would constantly be like uh, speak english speak english so i just uh, stopped talking to them
0: because like when you're in school and your friends and everyone's speaking hebrew yeah so you you learned you learned hebrew now are you were you fluent in english like as a child uh, and 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 hebrew or did you more fluent in hebrew and then learn english
1: you know i i understand better than i talk okay but, uh, but even growing up, I could watch uh, American movies without uh, subtitles okay. and without a translation and just understand everything. Because okay. my parents were American, my parents are American, and they, they spoke English to me all the time. Sure. And I have uh, a lot of uh, family that, uh, that is still American. Most of my family is still American the um, also in uh, one thing in israel that uh, is very common unlike in in other countries that uh, where israelis like american tv shows and music but they don't uh, translate it they they add the uh, subtitles on the bottom okay so when if you go to the to the movies for example and you watch the movie with the original uh, uh, audio you'll just uh, read the subtitles okay and you know out of the US that's unusual because in, in most countries at least that I uh, know about, they uh, actually translate the audio. Yes so so for me it was very easy to to enjoy American and you know English in general uh, content. and um, I, I didn't really need to to read the, the translation. Okay.
0: Yeah no I okay I okay I did not know I did not know that I thought I thought you were born in Israel grew up well obviously you still grew up in Israel but I thought your parents were I, I mean I thought your family and everyone was from from Israel.
1: Yeah, I'm a foreigner no no matter where I go I'm a foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you don't you don't have a home you're a foreigner all the time, oh. Because also also in Israel they always ask me where I'm from. So,
0: so you have an accent? You have an accent over there, also. Um, like your Hebrew, the Hebrew, you have an accent.
1: No, I, I have uh, in in Israel. I have like uh, it's a little difficult to, to to explain to Americans. Okay, but uh, in, in Israel, the accent uh, is not necessarily from your uh, region in the country, but it's more from your. Um, uh, heritage, and also it's uh, influenced a little bit by by the region. And I, I grew up in a kibbutz, which is a type of settlement that is also a commune. So imagine you live in a small town yeah. that is agricultural, and and everybody in that town uh, lives um, uh, equally with the same wages, and and whatever the the income, um, whatever the income the community gets, is divided equally by everybody. Okay. So my accent um, is uh, very much from um, those those types of the communities. So when people listen to me, they straight away they know that I'm that I grew up in a community like that.
0: Okay. Okay. I understand. I understand. So what is Growing up, well, do you have kids?
1: I have three boys. How old are they? The oldest is a twelve, then nine, and then a five. Oh, that's some that's some fun ages. Um, I'm happy to be at work. You know what I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, are they are they some busy boys? What are they What are they up to? What are they doing?
1: Um, luckily, our school is uh, mostly open. Okay. So right now, my youngest still goes to school. He's in school right now. My middle one uh, um, is, is at home this uh, week, but next week he goes back to school. Okay. And my oldest one uh, will go back in uh, February. But before winter break, they all went. Okay. Okay. So luckily they go to school that, uh, you know, gives some, some uh, more time for my wife and,
0: sure. and
1: even for me. And, you know, I don't work every day. So it's nice to, to have, uh, I need at least one day a week at home to, to order parts and, and to get all my paperwork done. Okay, But, um, you know, I, sometimes, sometimes people don't call me um, for a week. So, but but then I have two weeks that uh, people are waiting, you know what I mean? Sure. Oh, yeah. So it's nice, nice to be home uh, uh, with a little quiet.
0: What are some of the differences from when you grew up in Israel to your kids growing up in the U.S.?
1: Um, well, I, I grew up in a kibbutz, and... And the location of that kibbutz was uh, right right next to um, a border And that was at war throughout my whole childhood. So I grew up in a war zone. Okay. And and uh, every every week or two we would get um, a shower of missiles. And the my kids they you know they don't get that. There's not many
0: missiles in San Diego.
1: Not uh, so many missiles, no. <laughs> wow,
0: so that's so that's where you grew up, though. You grew up with with that that going
1: on around you, right? But on the on the other hand, growing up in a kibbutz because it's a closed community, uh, I could uh, I could go out of my house. I'd say to my parents, "Hey, I'm going," and they'll be like, "Okay, I'll be home at 7. and I would just go, and I could go anywhere I wanted with within my my uh, community yeah so it's a gated it's basically a gated community but it's it's more like a town it's like a little town it's, it's not like a like a gated community here in the states where it's you know just uh, right a complex basically so we we had uh, hen houses and we had cows and fields but I, I could uh, go wherever I want within my community. I would go with friends, or uh, I could go to friends' houses. We had a, a dining room, so our parents, they never needed to, to cook or make food okay. or, or shop for food. There was uh, three, three meals a day in the dining room, and the whole kibbutz would meet over there to eat.
0: That's, that's cool. That's interesting.
1: We would uh, share cars. So from when I got a uh, driver's license, yeah, I, um, I could uh, take a car from the community. I would just uh, sign up on the board. You know, there's a board with a list. If uh, the car is not taken, you can just take it, take the key, drive wherever you want, and bring it back uh, wh- whenever uh, you want, basically. So that's, you know that's not the whole country of israel is not like that but right uh, but if you live in a kibbutz which is only like 1% of the population live like that okay then uh, then that's uh, you know in israel it's common for so 1% of course of the population
0: now is there anything that you that you really miss is there any food or is there any games or is there is there just something in the culture that that, yeah, that you, that you, that you miss, that miss a little more than anything
1: else. And, uh, you know, in Israel, people are taught to be very direct. Okay. Uh, from a very young age. So um, when, you, when you speak to somebody who is Israeli, you know exactly what you think. It's very common to, uh, for example, take a taxi and start arguing with the driver about politics, and and you start yelling at each other. But then when you leave, you just shake the hands, and and you are like friends now. You know what I mean? You. It's not offensive. Uh, uh, right? You can. Uh, it's in Israel culturally. It's it's uh, good to be direct and to say what you think. People people value that. Okay. Much more than being nice. People less value being nice than, than they do being direct and honest. Okay. So it's not expected of you to just insult people on the street. Of course, that's not the, the point. Right. But, um, but it's nice to, to know when you talk to somebody what he really thinks
0: almost like you don't throw out hurting somebody's feelings you can just
1: yeah you just be open and honest people there don't uh, get insulted as quick as over here okay some do I mean people are individual and but but culturally yeah. culturally people are more uh, tough that way they don't get insulted so fast and sometimes uh, you know I, I when I speak to to Americans, I have to apologize for maybe being too direct or maybe being um, too aggressive. Okay. But it's a, it's a cultural thing. And when I do that, I do it uh, not not, in a, uh, not with a bad uh, intention. Sure. You know, but, uh, you know, I'll go to people and, and talk to them. I don't mind. For business, it's really good here in the States. Let's say if you want to be a salesperson, having a Israeli mentality is really helpful because most people are shy and, and here in the States, I mean, they are shy and they keep for themselves and they are not really outgoing, but as a salesperson, if you are really outgoing and you can talk about many subjects, that's, that's really good for that profession. Right. And that's a, uh, I think a um, uh, part of, of me that can, go to to knock uh, knock on doors and say, hey, uh, you know, hire me because I'll save you money. You know, that's a part of my my culture that I uh, brought with me. I don't know if everybody can do that. But on the other hand, you know, I can't just call people. This is one disadvantage that I have, that I can't uh, call people because they won't take me seriously over the phone. Imagine I call your business Hi, can I make an appointment? Uh, I want to save you money, and you'd be like, "Yeah, um, yeah," you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I would, I would tell you that
1: I was busy and hang up. Yeah, yes, because with my accent, uh, the people think that I'm calling from India or something. <laughs>
0: No, no, no! I get it. Like that would be—I mean—you're being honest, and that would—that would be a struggle when you're trying to do sales. I mean, I'm trying to put myself in that position to where, yeah, if cold calling or, or just using the phone, you know, basically isn't available uh, for marketing, it, you, yeah, you have to figure out other ways. And I think that's one thing that I really like about you is—you know—you didn't let that stop you. You just found a different way to do it, and and still got it done.
1: You know, you and me are, are very similar in, in many ways. Yeah. And both of us uh, had to go through struggles that most people don't. We spoke about that uh, actually before. Yes. Yeah we, uh, yeah, we had a conversation about that. So we can uh, relate to each other when it comes to that. And I also really appreciate it about you. You also uh, found it very difficult in the beginning, but you overcome it you overcame it and nothing stopped you and you found your way. And now you're an industry standard, you know, and I, I really, yeah. uh, you know, admire you for that. And, and I, I hope, you know, I hope one day I can do the same for me too. Well, dude, thank you. And, and yeah, it is. I mean,
0: it, it was, it was a struggle. It is, it is a struggle to, uh, you know, to start basically just to take an idea that no one else is, is really using and you're going, Hey, this, this should be the standard. This should be the new standard. And there's a lot of education behind that. And a lot of uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard road. And, uh, so yeah, so no, we, we, yeah, we, have talked about it and I can appreciate that about you. And I think that's why, I mean, why I like seeing, you know, I like seeing your posts. I like seeing this, this new seminar that you're talking about. I love to see your growth because I know, man, you're just, you're hustling out there, but you're getting it done and you're, you're moving the needle. You're making a difference and it's, it's fun to watch, man. I, and, it, and I, another reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast and talk to you because, I just, yeah, same, same to you, brother. I I enjoy watching
1: your journey too. I'm uh, happy that I'm being entertaining. (laughs) You you definitely are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, man, I think, I mean, we're, we're just over an hour. Um, Is there anything that you, you know, that we didn't, that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about or, or uh, a final thought? anything like that a last minute tip repair repair tip something like that anything
1: yes never believe the appliance technicians
0: (laughs) (laughs) always believe born to repair don't don't believe the appliance technicians no Uh, I'm joking uh,
1: (laughs) but uh, no in general uh, you know I I post uh, every once in a while I have a repair tip that I post Okay. And also on the Diorjo, I have a segment that I neglected for the last few weeks because I'm preoccupied with my seminar. Okay. But uh, I'm actually making a video right now for my uh, uh, segment, which is uh, basically about uh, uh, equipment uh, tips. Yes. Tips for equipment. And. You know, if the uh, people want to be posted, they're always welcome to watch uh, the dojo. Yeah. Do you- I like to watch it on, uh, on YouTube and, and that way I can both see and uh, listen in the same time. But, you know, some people just like to listen. They can also do that.
0: Yeah, but yeah, John Isaacson, the Dojo, he's been on the podcast, our podcast, a couple times, and uh, he's a good, a good friend of mine. And yeah, I have when I was listening to his, I did, I did hear your segments come up, and uh, and know that you guys have been working together, and that's that's really cool too. I like
1: that. And um, you know, it's really nice of John to to offer me this opportunity. He's a super guy.
0: I mean, he he really is. I like him a lot.
1: Yes, me too. I think he's uh, doing a really good job. I don't really know how he makes a living, but uh, <laughs> I like his work. <laughs>
0: you, you said what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, he's he's busy and he's always putting stuff out there. Yeah, I'm like John. When do, like you, you do work,
1: right? You do have a job. Oh, I think I think he knows something that we don't. He can capitalize. <laughs> On just posting stuff, and we are still finding a way to do that.
0: I think he, yeah, he has the secret. He hasn't shared it with me yet.
1: But, uh, you know, I also appreciate that you let me uh, speak on your podcast.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Anytime, anytime, anything I can do for you, let me know. Um, I do want to follow up with you once the seminar is out. And, and then also, uh, I mean, I think we can. We have the same customers, so there's a lot of overlap and a lot of things that me and you can can work on together. Especially, I'm excited. Like I said, excited about the seminar because now, you know, now you, now it's not it's not geographically centered. Now you can go across the country, and uh yes. there's gonna be a lot more opportunities there. That's exciting.
1: I'm very excited too. That's and awesome. if you like, uh, if you want to uh, send me a. Uh, uh, one of your products I can uh, post it on my page if you like
0: I'll definitely do that. Yeah, text
1: me your address I'll send you I'll send you
0: a power box. I'll send you a kit and uh,
1: yeah man, absolutely. Send me send me a color that uh, photographs nicely Okay, yeah, and my uh, shirt is going to be purple Okay, so maybe you should take that uh, in consideration too. We may do maybe a yellow one Okay, would stand out.
0: Yeah, that'd be that would look nice. Yeah, man, like I, I've said it already. I've said it before, but I like what you're doing. I like you. If there's anything I can do for you, you know, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'd love to help you out if I can.
1: Thank you so much, and uh, I really like you too, and I think you're doing a, a great job and a great service for the industry, not only by providing uh, a good product that saves money and that everybody can use, uh, but also with this uh, podcast, because we really need something that will uh, bring us together it's yeah. a very competitive um, industry but uh, many people are, are bringing it together if by you know doing a podcast like you and John and and also with uh, like Facebook uh, Facebook groups yeah uh, and that that uh, is only beneficial for everybody nothing else than beneficial yeah.
0: Well, cool, man. Well, I can't wait to talk to you again. I'll uh, I'll follow up with you at some point. I'm looking forward to that seminar coming out. And, uh, yeah, Elon, thanks for your time today, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, John. We'll see you, bud. Uh, thanks, Jason.